When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Guys, we're really excited about this new sponsor. It's Snooze Mattress. They have something called the Snooze Flip, which is the most universal mattress on the planet. It's a mattress that is designed to fit everybody. It's actually the world's first four-in-one mattress. You can choose soft, firm, cool, or cozy. And then you can flip it to choose your comfort level. Then you can zip it with Snooze Mattress's reversible and washable temperature-regulated cover. They hooked a couple of us DNVR employees up with a new mattress. It's gotten great reviews. Everybody loves it. Super comfortable. And like I said, you can customize it to fit however you like to sleep. So what you need to do is go to snoozesleep.com. When you get there, you're going to use code DNVR. You're going to receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off an adjustable base. So this is an incredible deal. Go to snoozesleep.com, type in code DNVR. It's going to give you $250 off a mattress and $250 off an adjustable base. This is an awesome company made in Colorado by Colorado people, designed, of course, for the rest of the world. Uh, So check them out. Go to snoozesleep.com, use code DNVR. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up. There they go. I just added the logo up there on the opposite side. I'm Adam Matis. I'm joined by Harrison Wynn. Harrison, what's going on, buddy? Nothing, man. Just uh, I spent the morning reviewing some film, uh, particularly of the Defensive Player of the Year candidate, Nicole Jogic. <laughs> Fourth best defensive rating in the entire NBA, so... I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on a little of that today, but uh, yeah, can't wait to get started. So I did see the other names on that list. Rudy Gobert, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler. And I have to say, Gobert really sticks out because he had to guard Nikola Jokic. Imagine how bad Jokic's defensive rating would be if he had to guard Jokic. Yeah. I mean, actually, to Rudy Gobert's credit, he must have been absolutely incredible <laughs> yeah. in those other games if he gave that up to Jokic in yeah. one half. It is funny. Uh, it's like when you look at strength of schedule at the end of the year, all the worst teams have the toughest schedule because they don't get to play themselves. And that is how <laughs> it is with Yoke. It's like, well, yeah, he doesn't have to guard himself. So that's like automatically a head start here. Um, yeah. His defense has been incredible. Um, this episode of the show, guys, this is the list live. Uh, so it counts as our DNVR Nuggets podcast, but it's for DNVR members only. And we're going to go through uh and look at some of the notes i went back and watched it a second time did you happen to go back and watch it a second time harrison i watched most of it yeah uh i I say i skimmed through it but i I got most of the good stuff it's tough because these ones are the tough ones to go back and watch because a lot of it was just denver being out of sorts so you're kind of like all of your notes are negative they're always a drag but i do find that in um in uh going back and watching them a second time, oftentimes things look less bad and oftentimes you just kind of walk away from like, okay, learn something from the game. I'll tell you, I think uh, I have 12 clips for us today. So a little bit fewer. I think the last two I've had 16 and 17 respectively. So a little bit less. The first thing I have is that the nuggets were getting a lot of mid range in this game, especially early on. That was one of the things that stood out. The biggest theme we're going to have today is going to be on the second unit and what they can and can't do to initiate possessions. But the Nuggets, as a starting unit, have a little bit of similar things going on in that their shot profile really lends itself to the mid-range. 
I was surprised when the Nuggets beat the Mavs. I was listening to Nate Duncan's Dunk On Pod, and he said that the Nuggets, who won the game by 31 points, had a worse shot profile or expected field goal percentage based on their shots um, than what Dallas had. So Dallas shot cold from good locations and never shot hot from bad ones. Now, the Nuggets have the best floater shooter in the NBA in Jokic, and they get a lot of that stuff. So some of this is a little bit you know, noise, but um, it is interesting to me that Denver has been so bad from the three-point line but also gets a lot of shots from the mid-range. It's interesting, too, because that was a point of emphasis coming into the season. The Nuggets want to take more threes. We know and we've talked about how they've shot absolutely horrible from three-point range this season. Uh, they're, so he, they're the third-worst team in three-point shooting so far. The two teams shooting the three-ball worse yeah. than Denver so far this season Already are the two teams who came into the, this season trying to lose every game, the Pistons and the Thunder. There, there's another one I had. I did this on Locked On Nuggets today that the Nuggets are second to last in turnover percentage behind only Houston. So they they sadly, Houston, Oklahoma City, Detroit, they kind of show up alongside of them a lot uh, yeah. in spots. And you never want to be in the same category with any of those teams. But um, the Nuggets are also, they're only taking one more three-pointer per game than last season. Hmm. So there hasn't really been that big of an increase there. Are they probably making fewer too overall? That's how bad the percentage mm-hmm. has been. Um, speaking of threes, Aaron Gordon was taking the three a lot more willingly today or in this game. And I don't think that's a good thing. You talk about all of the guys that you would rather have shooting or shooting better. Gordon is one that we were so impressed with him the last few games and that he passed up open threes to attack. He was very willing to shoot those ones. I thought in this game and didn't necessarily love that. Another note I have here. I think the challenge is so interesting how coaches decide to use it. I think you should use a challenge. Doesn't matter when it comes in. I think you should use a challenge if it saves you two points. If it happens in the first quarter, so be it. But the Nuggets had a goaltend called um, on them that was 100% indisputably not a goaltend. Terrible call. Got the ball. It cost them two points. I understand. The only reason you might save them is because maybe it saves you a Jokic foul. If Jokic gets into foul trouble, then you're like, okay, let's use it at that point. It's more valuable than saving two points. But in all other scenarios, it is not more valuable. If you can save two points, and more importantly, if you have a surefire thing, a goaltend is nice, and an out-of-bounds is nice to challenge because it's black and white, right? It's like, oh, nope, that wasn't over the cylinder. There's no question about are we going to win this one or not. So I think coaches, I, I think in three years, we're going to have analytics on on cha- coaches' challenges, and it's going to tell you, doesn't matter what quarter you use it in, if it saves points, that's the best time to use it. If it's a surefire point saver, and it was no surprise Malone didn't challenge that play. It was the first quarter, but I think he should have. Yeah. I think he should have too. Um, it was clear, I thought. Uh, you just had to look at the replay for a split second, and you could tell it wasn't a goaltend. I just had a quick note on Aaron Gordon, though. You know how there were some rumblings that his three-point shot was looking better at training camp in the right. preseason? Well, through seven games, he's shooting exactly the same percentage that he shot with the Nuggets last season after the trade deadline. 26%, exactly the same percentage. Uh, sounds about right. I honestly think this is who he is. Like if he was three or 4% better, I'd be like, okay, that's within the range. But what is he? 20, what is he? 30%? 26%. So I think if he was 32%, I would be like, okay, good year. <laughs> but I don't, yeah. if he was 37%, I'd be like, oh man, what a miracle. Um, and that's no knock against him. He's been great. It's just, that's not his bag. And he doesn't need to be on this team. Um, the Grizzlies had a ton of success snaking screens and putting Jokic in a bind in the pick and roll in this game. And in particular, and this is going to show up, actually, I don't know if it shows up in the, I think it shows, oh yeah, it does show up at the end. In particular, when they could put Michael Porter and Jokic together in the pick and roll and they would put them there and then snake the screen, meaning you set the screen on one side and then immediately go to the other side. And what that does is it basically holds Jokic in between two guys, the player with the ball and the roller for as long as possible and they, John Morant was just so good at doing this, and they did it over and over and over again throughout the entire game. Um, yeah. Go ahead. You have anything on that? Well, I thought there were a lot of possessions where Yoke looked pretty good in the pick and roll, but when you have that combination with Yoke and MPJ and John Morant, because if you're talking about guys that use that snake dribble, I mean, nobody's more slithery than, than John Morant. So that's just like a potent combination. It's very slippery. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. hit those threes in the beginning and it gave Memphis a boost. I think, honestly, 
if you go back to this game and say, where, where were the margins that we were just lucky or unlucky? Jaron Jackson Jr. start to this game, I think he was three for three, like in the first three minutes of the game. And one of them he banked in. Too. One of them banked in from almost straight on. It was just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So uh, Denver did have a little bit of bad luck. Like if you take that away, the starters were actually really great in this game, um, you know, minus minus short little stretches. And some of it, I think, was, you know, we can expect a bit of a regression in uh, game two. All right, let's get on to the first clip of the of the day here. Going to share my screen. Come on over here. Michael Porter Jr.'s energy and effort. We talked about this on the post game yesterday, uh, Harrison, about just the toughness and like the will to win. You can kind of see now here is a fast break and you can see, all right, there's Steven Adams to be boxed out. There's guys around the perimeter. Michael Porter not really guarding anybody. Let's see what happens. Just John Morant just wants it more. Like, there's just no question that he wants it. Like, this is great. Two guys converge to force him into this tough one. Get in there and get it. Instead, it's like just such a weak effort. And there's just so many plays like this. By the way, watch Jokic as he comes into this frame. Uh, he's going to be over here. Watch him. Watch his response. Grab the damn ball. <laughs> like, he's clearly very frustrated with Michael Porter. Uh, and him, Michael Malone, both just like, dude, what are you doing? Act like you want to win. This is at the very beginning of the game, too. <laughs> <laughs> right out the package. That I was mean, one clip, Harrison. There was probably a dozen I could have put like that where I'm just like, sometimes tall, lanky guys look like they don't want it. We've talked about this. That's the opposite of the, if you have long hair, it looks like you're playing hard all the time. Michael Porter totally. has a bit of the opposite of this. But nonetheless, that, that play was not about that. That play was like, how badly did he want that repound relative to how badly John Morant wanted it? Yeah. And honestly, you can see that reaction from Yoke and from Will Barton and from a yeah. lot of guys when it's come to stuff with Michael Porter this year. It's not hard to find. Michael Porter did have a nice sequence following this up. So he gets yelled at by Yoke for the first time in the game, a couple minutes in. Um, yeah. And he hits two jumpers and has a nice drive. So, you know, I mean, he did. Th those are the things that he needs to do. The first quarter into this game, you thought, oh, maybe he's coming out of his slump a little bit. Okay, so you get rhythm going. Was It didn't kind of sustain for the whole game. You know who was really bad on rewatch, Harrison? Like, really bad? Who do you think was the worst player in this game? Well, not counting the bench? No, I'm counting the bench. <laughs> okay. Uh, Faku? I don't think it was Faku. Okay. In this That's game. Good. I think it was Jeff Green. Well, Jeff Green was – I mean, there are a lot of contenders. Will Barton was really bad. <laughs> Will Barton was really Green. Will Barton had a more important role and was bad, so he could have yeah. easily put him. Um, but Jeff Green stood out to me. Because he had a series of of bad plays that were like especially bad um, defensively, just a closeout that was so half-assed and then like gets blown by, just jogs back. He had that outlet pass where he just kind of lost the ball up. Dylan, uh, Tyus Jones stole it off of nothing, like just kind of walked into the steal because it was such a bad pass. Um, he had he had some really really bad plays. Similar to Michael Porter, the effort I showed you, there were plays like that with Jeff Green where you're kind of like, man, you don't really care about this game tonight, do you? Um, and it was really disappointing because he's a veteran player. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much a guy like Jeff Green cares about the seventh regular season game of the season. Like, yeah. it's it's a legit wonder that I have. Uh, I doubt there was a lot of, you know, he played in Brooklyn last year. Like, we know what the emphasis was with that team. It was all about the playoffs. Um, I, I wonder if that's it. Or I wonder if, you know, he's just kind of struggling, uh, ramping up into the season. Somebody in that second unit has to bring like just way more energy than what they have. And I, I, there's just some sleepiness on that. I mean, Faku, say what you want about him. He brings the energy every single night, but he's pretty much the only one. Um, watch this play here. Denver drive to the basket, little kick here. Nice pass out to the corner. If we freeze it right here and I asked who gets the rebound, there are four nuggets in the rebounding position here. You know, actually looking at this, Denver should get the rebound, but long shots equal long rebounds, and nobody's on a body here. They're all just watching the ball. So actually, when you frame this, I'm not surprised that they didn't get the the defensive rebound. Not even that long of a rebound, to be honest with you. But like, <laughs> yeah. But look at this energy level, man. Like, it's just one of those things. Malone's going to watch this and say, guys, were we trying to win this game or – uh?" Boom. I mean, it's just it's just painful. And then the slow-mo yeah. goes up. I mean, this one ends at a stop, but it is indicative of what uh, Denver was kind of going through yesterday. 
if if you don't have like a Andre Drummond who's just going to clean up the glass every time by himself, you gotta focus on just fundamentals of defense, and that's just getting on a body and boxing out. Like it's not complicated. So here is the thing. We're getting to my next point is the one that is the biggest point with the Nuggets right now. Somebody asked me what's going on with the Denver Nuggets. Like why why are they the way that they are right now? You know, obviously we would say the bench, but it's a specific thing with the bench. They do not get into the paint. They never get into the paint. In fact, it became such a big deal watching this game that I went back and watched every possession they had in the half court and just counted how often they would get into the paint and for how long. That first quarter, when the bench came in, they got into the paint one time. One time, Harrison, did the ball enter the painted area, and it was the Faku flip shot. Do you remember the little flip he had? like Almost like an underhand little flip, and he made it. That was the yeah. only time the ball entered the painted area in the first quarter with that second unit. How wild is that? It's wild. I mean, how can you even play basketball without getting the ball into the paint? Like it's You can't. At the NBA, it's so funny that Michael Malone said, you know, if you're in the paint, you're the king because he has to be seeing what's going on. And Nicole Jokic that. said that. Yeah. Nicole Jokic said that. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's the one that said it. But I'm saying he has to be watching the second unit and being like, yeah, this isn't going to work. What you guys are doing, somebody has to get a find out a way. And Michael Malone, you know, putting Will Barton onto that group, that's one guy who can get into the paint. But as I've said, I don't think it's enough. You need to have multiple ways to sort of get the ball, whether that's through a post player. Uh, you know, obviously the leg's going away from the post, but at least it's an option to get the ball there. Uh, or on a rim roller or on a dribble drive, somebody that can get in there and and put pressure on the rim. And Denver doesn't have any, either of those three things. When you put Will Barton, you have one guy who can get to the rim, yeah. but you also don't have enough spacing around him to, like, it, it's even harder for him to get to the rim. So we talked earlier, Harrison, turnovers. Denver's 29th in the NBA, the second worst turnover percentage right now in the NBA. That's because a team can pack a paint. You have to work extra hard. The defense isn't rotating. They're terrible on three-point shots. Well, we know paint threes where the ball goes inside and gets kicked outside, that's where you generate good looks. Denver is, if you can't get into the paint, you're not generating the best type of three-point looks. And then the overall offense has just been has been bad. I think all of these things start. If you were to say, what's the one thing that you have to fix with that bench? You have to be able to get the basketball into the painted area. Yeah, I'd agree. And if you think back to the one stretch of basketball this season where that bench unit with Barton has looked the best, it was against Phoenix in the second half in that third quarter where Will Barton scored, I think, seven baskets in the third. Six of them came on just line drives right, right into the paint. Like he was making a point to just drive the ball every single time. Um, maybe that's what it's going to take because, yeah, he's, he's the only one on that group that can get to, into the paint. And last night when he was playing with that bench, he like did not grab hold of that unit. He didn't really like take on any. He had such um, a bad game. Uh, yeah, he he just was kind of invisible out there. He he wasn't uh, just taking control of that group like he's done in the past. So it's got to be him that's that's initiating stuff. I think. I think it takes more than that. We'll get to it here a little bit more because I think putting it on Will Barton to live in the pain is just too hard. I mean, even if you look at totally. Memphis, they stretch. They grabbed a bunch of offense rebounds in this game. They really stretched Denver out. Denver was scrambling on defense the whole night. But they have multiple guys who can get into the paint. I mean, John Morant's one of the best in all the NBA at this. He's just so quick. But they have other guys who just know the angles and know how to get in there. Speaking of which, we're into the second quarter now. Bain is really good. I really yeah. like him. Great shot. One of the most balanced shooters in the NBA. Just if you watch him, the way he is able to like set his feet, he doesn't have a quick shot, but he's got a quick mind. And so he, even though it's not like a quick release, you know, get up and release it, he still is always ahead of everyone else because he's seeing the game. And what is the old saying? Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. He is a very, that type of player. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. High IQ. Um, I, I'm shocked at how much I like him. He's going on my Mikhail Bridges All-Stars. Role players <laughs> on other teams I'm jealous of. Yeah, he's good. I like him a lot too. Uh, that was definitely apparent watching last night. I'm like, wow. Desmond Bain just knows how to play. Yeah. Dioke would love him. Um, you mentioned Will Barton. One of my notes in here, and this is a sad one. It's just a game. It's really two games because last game he wasn't so great. But you know who he looked like this year? Last year's Will Barton. <laughs> he had oof, a couple drives oof. to the basket where he was below the net and just not finishing them, just no pop. And I'm watching it and I'm going, 
I, we're only seven games into the season, man. He had all that spring. He was dunking hard. This one, for whatever reason, his legs just weren't underneath him. Hopefully that comes back to him. Like I said, it's only been a game and a half, basically, but um, something to kind of keep an eye on. Bones Highland comes in around the nine-minute mark. Um, then MPJ comes in for Barton, and here's why this is important. Malone's answer at the moment, he's he's evolving. He's trying things out, but his answer right now is Michael Porter Jr. and Will Barton to go save that bench unit, and in particular, Will Barton. Yeah. We talked about having to get into the paint. Michael Porter right now can't get into the paint. We can posit theories about why. I think the rule changes maybe have a little bit to do with it. Guys can be a little bit more physical out there. I think some of it is just he's just in a slump right now and not like he's going away right now from the challenge a little bit, it, it feels. And maybe that's him trying to fit in or this or that. But he doesn't help you get into the paint. And that and that's the thing. So if you give the bench unit Will Barton and Michael Porter, you're really only giving them one guy that is capable of helping the weakness. And then you sub out Will Barton for Bones. Again, you're basically replacing one with the other. Bones can also get into the paint. I think that second unit might need both, or Monte and Barton, or Monte and both. Just you need two guys that can get into the paint and score uh, to be able to make it work. But of course, that gives you problems on the other side when you go to the starting unit, right? And in limited action so far uh, in the fourth quarter, like Bones can get into the paint. Uh, he, yeah. He's got the speed. He's got the first step. He's got the confidence. He's just an attack-minded player. Um, he's a great, good three-point three shooter, but he's not going to settle if, if he's got the opportunity to attack. So I agree. Um, it, it's funny because most of Bones' minutes have been kind of with the starters. Uh, that, that's just kind of how it's played out. But yeah. I, I wonder – I've got to think that it's transitioning towards him playing with the bench too. Guys, make sure to pick up some Mile High City Copper Lager from Breckenridge Brewery this week. It's impossible to miss if you're browsing the liquor aisle, the beer aisle at your local liquor store or your local grocery store. It's in that Nuggets blue can with the Nuggets logo on it. We drink it a lot at the bar. Super great for any occasion. If you're watching a Nuggets game, maybe you're at the park, maybe you're going up to the mountains to hang out with some friends. Check out the Mile High City Copper Lager. It's smooth. It tastes great. Like I said, great for any occasion, summer, winter, fall, spring. Pick some up at your local liquor store, at your local grocery store. If you're in Littleton or the Denver area, check out the Breckenridge Brewery Farmhouse as well. Also, guys, let me tell you a little bit about Ball uh, because the people are what make Ball special. I'm talking about uh, Ball as in Ball Arena as in the aerospace technology company, uh, as in the world's largest aluminum can and packaging manufacturer. People at Ball at every level come into work each day and give 100% to accomplish their goals. Their production techs are the front line and their can making operation. They directly impact the volume of production that Ball runs, the quality of the production, and are integral to their operation. Production technicians are also important because as their skills grow, they are able to move into even more mechanical roles. So Ball hit us up because they're looking to add line capacity to their golden plant. They're looking for production technicians. You can Read the full job description on jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. It's got it all there for you. But what does a production technician do exactly? It's on the front line of their aluminum beverage can production process at Ball. They offer a competitive $27.39 per hour wage with potential increases at 6, 12, and 18 months on the job. It offers exposure to a lot of other manufacturing opportunities in the plant. So if you want more info, jobs.ball.com and search for Golden, or you can text Golden to 77222. Also, let's give out a DraftKings pick of the week here on this Tuesday, browsing the NBA schedule tonight. The Rockets and the Lakers are playing again. This is one of those uh, little two-game sets, kind of like the Nuggets are playing with the Memphis Grizzlies right now. The Lakers won the first one, but they did not cover... I bet they win again tonight, but they again don't cover. I'm taking the Rockets plus 10. LeBron is questionable. Dwight Howard's questionable. Anthony Davis is probable. I bet they hold two of those three guys out, probably LeBron. So I would take the Lakers to win, but I like the Rockets plus 10 against the Lakers tonight. That's my DraftKings pick of the week. Nuggets were blowing that um, they, they they got out of sync in that second quarter. They even blew when the starters came back in. They blew the uh, 5-4 pick and roll. They ran it and they threw the lob to Aaron Gordon and he missed the dunk, but it wasn't a very open dunk. Like it was, it wasn't good. That's how sort of out of sorts they were. Um, I talked about it was the starters plus bones lineup. And what's interesting about that lineup, Harrison, is 
if you take basically you take Will Barton out and replace him with Bones, what do you think the pe- natural pecking order is with that unit? Yoke number one. Okay, who's number two? I mean, it's kind of Monte and then Aaron Gordon right now. It's it's really not Michael Porter, you know. So this is my point: is you can talk about oh, you know, put him in lineups that fit this. Porter has played with the bench and hasn't necessarily scored very well. He's yeah. played where it's like Jokic and Michael Porter. You're clearly the second option. We need something from you, and still not the score. So I just think the there were some people that you know early on, maybe some debate about who's where's the onus on. I, I think it's hard at this point to really put the onus on anybody but Michael Porter to kind of get right. going. He's been in so many scenarios and looked more or less the same. Um, Jokic was killing Tillman inside Xavier Tillman. Uh, this is what's cool about playing the two games in a row. I'm curious. There was a little bit of a stagger, not much. It was probably only four or five possessions per per half where Jokic was matched up with Tillman. But Jokic feasted on him, and I think Denver can do an even better job of that in this next game. And I'm curious to see how both teams adjust if they just as soon as Jokic checks in, Tillman checks out, or if they you know if they don't, does Denver overemphasize that and say, hey, we have a game plan now for those minutes, those five possessions. Yoke's going to draw fouls. He's going to get buckets. We're going to we're going to really cook here. I'm curious to see that. Um, I got a great play here uh, from the Memphis Grizzlies I wanted to share because I thought it was a really cool one. Let's watch it unfold here. You get the entry here. The Basically, this is top of the key entry. And you run like this is a screen. This looks like an exchange, and then this guy would usually come off. But what it actually mm-hmm. is is to is sneak pin him there. So you see this little fake boom pin. And what I like about this is I think Michael Porter probably should run and chase after this. At least there should be a communication. Instead, Will Barton now has to fight through with effectively this double screen and you roll. And now look at Michael Porter is stuck in between two guys late to read this, but also catches everybody off guard. And now Michael Porter's in, in, in hell trying to figure this out. It goes over the top and you get this easy, actually should have been an easy dunk, but thankfully Aaron Gordon comes over and saves the day with a heroic play. Nine times out of 10 though, this is a dunk. I was impressed with Memphis's just play design last night. They run some, they run some sneaky stuff. It was really, really cool. And I definitely think Denver can, uh, can steal that one from the old playbook. Oh, I have another one here. This one coming from the nuggets. This is a stack pick and roll or Spain pick and roll. Um, depending on the terminology, you probably heard it more as Spain. I think Twitter, for whatever reason, refers to it more as Spain. Um, I know George Carl would always call it stack. but So here's an interesting one. You're getting the first initial ball screen and then Jokic rolling, but watch Aaron Gordon basically come through and pin St- Steven Adams for the Jokic three. This is a design play to get Jokic a shot. He misses it, mm-hmm. but I think it's a pretty cool little play design here um, that, that can be pretty hard to, to not force crazy switches off of. Yeah. Fun little little wrinkle from Denver in their offensive flow. Um, let's see what else do I have here. Um, Jokic's skyhook really working. Oh this man! Season, if you talk about little subtle things that have worked for um, the Nuggets this season, yo- or like for Jokic, like what has he added to his game? He's kind of added a skyhook. I don't know if I the Sambor skyhook is. Do we have to just name everything after Sambor? The Serbian we skyhook. We just have to name. We have to name it after different cities in uh, Serbia. So <laughs> I think maybe it's the Serbian skyhook. Maybe that yeah. one works. He had two in this game though. He had the, two. The Novi, no, Novi Sad skyhook. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work. We're gonna workshop it. But if you notice, it would be an interesting question for him at practice on Friday. Something he's kind of maybe added to his bag because he's going to it with confidence. The Nuggets, by the way, Ted, the lead going into the half. If it weren't for John Morant hitting an off-the-dribble sidestep three, he hits that, Grizzlies go up two. Um, but Denver, for as bad as that first half was and as much as fragmented, Denver basically played them even, which I feel like is mm-hmm. a testament to how good the Nuggets are, just that they can play bad on the road against a good team and effectively be tied. Yeah. The skyhook's so funny because when you think about the origins of the skyhook with Kareem, he was actually getting off the ground. Like he was jumping and something made that, that made that sky hook so unstoppable was he was just getting so much higher than everyone. So it was just right. unblockable. <laughs> Jokic, you know, he's not exactly jumping like Kareem did. He's not getting too high off the ground. It's just all about touch and angle and feel. The angle though, even if you don't jump, the sky hook just so naturally brings the ball far away from the defender that it's, it's so yeah. hard. And, I mean, Yoke, he hit the running one on Steven Adams that was like 
it hit the backboard and then nothing but net. It was a backboard sky hook. Just gorgeous. <laughs> it's like ridiculous, man. Yeah. Do you want to take two of these questions here before we uh, sure. go to the second half? What do we got? Uh, so Jed asks, this is kind of going back to your point about MPJ. Did you notice that people were being more physical with him uh, before his shot? I think absolutely. And it wasn't necessarily something I noticed in this game. It's something I've noticed all year. And I do think that, and it's the same as in the playoffs where you can just get a little bit more physical. Like referees don't want to call that. And the NBA has gotten significantly more physical this year. I mean, the numbers bear yeah. it out with how low scoring few free throws and the guys that are struggling right now. I retweeted this from uh, Jason Maples earlier today, but the guys that are struggling largely, there's two types undersized guards. Think mm-hmm. Faku, who's obviously off to a really tough start. Um, but also, and even Damian Lillard, by the way, is off to a rough start. And then guys who just can't create separation. Michael Porter is very clearly that second type, can't create separation. And I think when guys are allowed to get just 10% more physical with them, that inability to create separation uh, is augmented. So, yes, it is something I have noticed. That's why I have this theory um, about him this year. Yeah. And I was even just looking at uh, the three-point shooting across the league. And it's it's down this year. And if you just look at like the 15th ranked team in three-point shooting, Houston Rockets are shooting 34.1%. If you go back to last year, the 15th ranked team shot 36.8%. So it's down just like significantly yeah. across the board. So the other question from Flo, you can go ahead and bring up there, Harrison. This one was a good one. Do you think it would change anything if Monte played some minutes with the second unit? I do. And here's how I would look at it. Uh, if, if I were Michael Malone, I would look at trying to get Bones and PJ Dozier at the one-two alongside Jokic, Gordon, and Porter. I think that that five-man unit works when you talk about a stagger. Getting there, Bones can run pick and roll with Jokic. PJ Dozier can run pick and roll with Jokic. Michael Porter gets to step up and be an elevated scorer. I mean, he doesn't really he he should be the second or third scorer with Barton and Monte on the court. But if you're out there with Bones, PJ, Gordon, no question, you should be the second you know, leading score uh, or third, at least with bones kind of having the ball in his hands. That works. I think it's a good lineup. I think you could get a lot of minutes out of it. That second unit. That means if you have Monte and Will Barton on the court, maybe it's with Faku. And I think the reason Denver doesn't want to get here is because the Faku Monte lineup is really small. And I think you're probably a little Mm -hmm. concerned about it, but again, the smallness of Denver is not killing them as much as their inability to get into the paint. And both Monte and Will Barton know how to get into the paint. Um, so giving that second unit, two of those guys does help. So yes, to your, to your question, I do think so. Yeah. Um, we're into the second half now, kind of going line by line here. And there's a, 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 some more videos here coming up. Michael Porter Jr., uh, he had a great over-the-top pass to Jokic. His passing has really has been a silver lining. Like There's certain things he does that are not what he's known for, namely rebounding, staying in front of guys on in isolation on defense. He actually does a decent job of that. Um, and then, of course, you know some of these passes have, have popped. So there are little parts of his game. Of course, the big part of his game is scoring, and he hasn't done that. Um, another interesting one, the Nuggets ran the MPJ special from last year that I, mm. I, I can't remember what I called it last year, but it's like an X out play. Basically has him coming off of three screens over to – basically the the block for an iso they ran that for aaron gordon with michael porter on the court and i was kind of they didn't get anything out of it and i was kind of interested i was like huh the old michael porter play but porter's basically a screener this time um i I just was interested i would i'm really curious what the thought process was behind that yeah that 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 is interesting i I mean i've got the thought processes like we're just not getting anything from michael porter when we even try to run actions for him um, Would you? Let's, it's let's interesting see what we get with Aaron here. Gordon. That's interesting you bring that up because let's watch uh, this possession here. You got Ja Morant on you. This is a uh, all right. What do you got? Show us your bag. And just a step back. And, and you just think like, dude, that's Ja Morant. You've got six, seven inches of height on him. You've got a whole lane cleared out. And look where he goes backwards. He actually yeah. makes the shot harder than just a straight turnaround. So. Um, he doesn't really get square. We know Michael Porter can hit shots without being square, but this footwork and this, like, look, he's good enough to hit it, but this is again, a part of like, do your teammates have confidence that you are a guy that, um, is going to do whatever it takes to score to me? This is a, maybe I'll make it. Maybe I won't. Oh, I didn't this and, time. And, like, and if you're yoke throwing him the ball there and you're five feet away from him, watching him throw that up, like, 
how quickly are you going to give him the ball back in that same position? Never. I mean, right. Yoke's like, look, man, I could have taken that one, and I probably would make it at a higher rate than you will, but like, that's just not it. So um, he's just got to have more in his bag, and he's got to take advantage of those opportunities. If you're on fire, all right, by all means, take whatever shot comes naturally. But if you're not, show your team you've got something else in your bag that you can kind of go to. Um, his tr- Michael Porter, speaking of which, his transition defense is consistently bad. I mean, there's so many times. I didn't clip them. I should have. Next time, I, I will clip these for the, the next episode of this. But there were so many times where you're running back in transition and maybe his guy would be on the wing and, like, Steven Adams would be at the top of the key. And he's running backwards. And rather than take, like, his man, he would just, like, assume he's taking the nearest man here and just kind of slow jog back. And then his guy would be wide open for a kickout. And he'd be like, yeah, I picked him up. And tra-. It's like the – you pick up in transition nearest man unless they're both kind of even and then you get to your guy. But more than anything, you communicate that. And it happens so many times that you look at that and you go like so, he's consistently at the heart of miscommunications in transition. Yeah. He's just been bringing down the whole collective spirit of the team almost. For sure. With some of these plays like that last one you just showed. That's just a that's just a spirit killer. That's a vibe killer. That play. This is very much a vibe killer. Here's a play that I think defines actually two two plays, I believe. This is a two-part sequence that defines the Nuggets bench in a nutshell. All right. No, no penetration. Let's run this one. No penetration. All right. Let's go this side. No penetration. What about this side? No penetration. All right. This is like a oh. dribble handoff drill that you run in practice. I mean, just watch the defense here and think about how much they had to work. If you're the defense, like, okay. All right. All right, you switch. Like, okay, switch. I mean, look, John Morant just got 24-second rest. Like, he just hasn't moved. And then the shot goes up. There's zero rebound. So we talk about Denver's three-point shots have gone down. Well, that's not a good shot. Offensive rebound has gone down. Denver was second in offensive rebound last year. They're 26th this year. And a lot of it is like, how do you grab a rebound off of that play? Um, It's really tough. Here's another example. All right, we get Jeff Green or Barton in this time. Okay. Go over. It looks like the same play. You probably think it's the same one. It's not. But here we this are again. Play number two. We get to here. We get to here. And then, all right. Step back mid-range, pull up, contest, no rebounding. Like, okay. Like this is those I those aren't those might have been the two worst possessions, but they're not really that much of an outlier to the average possession, the second unit. They're not getting into the paint. They're putting no pressure on the rim. And this this dribble handoff offense is not working. So that was in a stretch of the game where Yoke went to the bench at the 241 mark of the third. And I wrote about this last night, but they had five possessions and they got a Jeff Green post up into a turnover, a Faku missed three, a Jeff Green missed step back, which was that one, an offensive foul, which was a bad call, and then a Jamichael Green turnover. And the Nuggets bench, they're just rudderless. Like they, they just have no direction. Uh, nobody's taken charge of that group. They have no idea really what they want to do. Uh, the Nuggets have no idea what they want to do when Nikola Jokic isn't on the floor right now. And I think that they can probably start to define roles a little bit better. And I wonder who the leader is. Like, I wonder if there is a guy that can kind of say, hey, here's what we need out of you. Because what I think needs to happen, first of all, as I mentioned, I think Monte and Barton probably lift that lineup up so you probably need to get both of those guys out there but when they're out there i think it needs to be hey we need to get to the rim if you catch if you're catching the ball on a kick out and you're open shoot it if you're not we need you to try to attack the paint and get the defense moving under control not turning it over but under control attack the basket get into the paint and the guys that can do that are barton they're monte they're pj dozier even faku this is why Jokic's note if you can get to the paint you're the king you just need to get there. <laughs> Figure it out once you get there. But you got to get there. And if you don't, possessions look like that, which is unfortunately more more or less an average pos- uh, possession right now. Um, this play, Harrison, I don't know if you noticed it on your rewatch, but this is the play Michael Porter got hurt. Later on in the game, he was grabbing his mm-hmm. shoulder. And here comes Steven Adams with a nice screen. And look at him. He You could see him go down, and he's holding it. And he held that really for the rest of the game. Yeah. But you can see gets hit on Looks the like his elbow. Yeah, it's like his elbow. And it's just like it was easy. The one of my notes here is that the they were attacking Michael Porter and pick Michael Porter and Jokic in particular together a lot, um, a, a lot, a lot. And it's going to be an issue. That'll come up here in a second. Real quick, guys. 
at manscaped.com. If you're a DNVR member, go there right now. You're going to get 20% off plus free shipping with the code DNVR. That's at manscaped.com. Make sure you use the code DNVR. Check out the Lawnmower 4.0. It's got that 4000K LED spotlight. It's got that 7,000 RPM motor with a new multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Rain, snow, or sleet are no match for the water and the power of the 4.0 lawnmower. This package, uh, the Performance Package 4.0, which is what you should get from Manscaped, it also comes with the Weed Whacker, the Elite Nose Near Hair Trimmer that's also waterproof. That uses a 9,000 RPM motor and 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This is the best stuff on the market, guys. Check out manscaped.com, use the code DNVR, get 20%, get that performance package 4.0, you get the lawnmower 4.0, you get the weed whacker, you get the crop reviver, the crop preserver, you get the shed travel bag as well. Use the code DNVR at manscaped.com, get 20% off plus free shipping. This weekend at DraftKings, guys, they've got an awesome offer if you're watching the NFL. Well, they got awesome offers if you're watching any sport, but particularly for the NFL uh, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL, they've got you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. If they do, you win $200 in free bets. It's that simple. Bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game. If they win, you win $200 in free bets. Of course, DraftKings Sportsbook, they give you the option to do same-game parlays on football, on basketball, NFL, NBA. Those are tons of fun. They make watching just a random game on, I don't know, a Tuesday night on the first week of November a little more fun. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR to bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. If that team wins, you win $200 in free bets. It's an awesome promotion. If they win, you win with promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Of course, you must be 21 or older. Colorado only new customers, only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. Finally, at HassleCattleCompany.com, use the code DMVR10. Get 10% off your entire purchase every single time. And that's when you use the code DNVR10 at HassleCattleCompany.com. They honestly have the best meat at Hassle Cattle Company. They've got Wagyu steak, sausage, jerky flavors. Their hamburger, the Hassle Cattle Company hamburger, won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. They've got everything you can want at HassleCattleCompany.com. They only sell Wagyu beef, the best beef around, the blue-collar Wagyu. Check them out, HassleCattleCompany.com. Use the code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. If you pull together with some friends and spend over 200 bucks, or maybe you're just buying meat for yourself, $200 of meat, you will receive free shipping with any order over $200 as well. Shot selection, as I mentioned, from Aaron Gordon, not necessarily great in this in this game, not my favorite. Um, you see here there's seven minutes left. Yoke, I think, just checked back into the game not too long ago. Like, all right, let's work it. We got Yoke out. We got Michael Porter. We got Bones. We're going to get something good. There's 12 seconds on the shot clock. We're taking a mid-range Aaron Gordon pull-up jumper here, and it's like that's just not – they can get that literally at any time in the shot clock. For that to be a possession where you have this much talent on, and what do you get? Uh, another little Easter egg here. You see, Michael, this is an opportunity for Michael Porter to cut. Now, I don't know if the Nuggets have a rule that when there's two guys on the ball side here that the first one dives. I hope not because this should be an option that you can come here, you can dive. And in a great continuity offense, it could also be that you pin down here. Um, Michael Porter almost always takes the dive option. It's not open, which means Denver defaults to, it's almost certainly going to have to go to this two-man game. And yeah, that's not just a, that's just not a recipe for success. I wonder, because I brought this up on the post-game show last night, it, it seemed like every time they had that split action with Porter and Gordon or Porter and somebody else, in that fourth quarter, it was always Porter diving and the other guy taking the dribble handoff. Like you said, I don't know if that's by design where Porter in that position is supposed to go on the cut, but it just seemed like he wasn't really going to the ball. But here's the thing, whether it's by design or not, if you know, if you read the court well enough you can, and, and also have the requisite talent and skills, then you should be able to audible off of that. Like in the NBA, yeah. you know, they call plays. 
you can break from the play. Usually you don't want to break from the play entirely, but you can read the flow of the offense to, oh, they're overplaying this. Every action has something you can punish a team for. And to your point, I'm, I think Michael Porter is both uncomfortable doing the things that would be inaudible, which in this case would be going and getting a handoff from Yoke, like curling it around. He's just not comfortable with it. He doesn't have the strength for it. He doesn't have the handle for it. Um, and two, I don't know that he necessarily reads it quick enough to know what the best option is each time. So he defaults to the cut because that's one thing he does do well is cut. But when teams are sitting on it and they can get physical with him, he's just not getting open off of it. And I think that's part of what's happening right now. Uh, conversely, Bones Highland and Jokic have a nice chemistry. I love this. Look at, let's start over here and just keep an eye on Bones. Look at the cut angle here. So first, a little brush screen. He's trying to screen quick and release. Not nearly as good of a screener as uh, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray's great at this one. Yeah. Where he hits him just for a second so that this guy has to step up and then releases so he has to fight through. He doesn't do a great job of that. And you can see Tyus Jones doesn't have that hard of a time keeping up with this play. But what I love is You've now effectively run a full circle around Yoke. And now Tyus Jones, even though you haven't done a good job of keeping him, you know, uh, of making him work on the screen, you still have made him run in a full circle. And now you've created this advantage, a little hesitation, get to the rim, kick out. That's great pick and roll play and great chemistry with Jokic from Bones, who's barely played with Jokic to date. I want you to think for a second here, Harrison, about what it would look like, because this is very Jamal Murray-esque right here. Just think of what it would look like if Yoke has two options to go to there, um, you know, a Jamal Murray and a Bones Highland. Yeah. What's been so impressive about Bones is just his feel for the game, man. Like, yeah. he like he, he just got in the half court. They came down a little transition. He just knew what to do. And it was, yeah. like, the perfect read, the perfect execution. Um, so, like, that, that's been so impressive. He's coming to – this rotation and, and really held his own. I, I feel like he's got a long ways to go, but just his feel for the game and recognition of what to do is really high. This next clip's another downer. I want you to contrast uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson is called slow-mo for how slow he is. Like he's the Jokic of wing players. He's one of my favorites. But watch who has the inside position here. You're going up. You brought two defenders. They're trying to block it. You have every right here to this rebound. But just like the effort on it is just so passive. It's like he's trying to tip it in rather than trying to like just will his way to it, which is what you need here. Kyle Anderson slow plays it. Now let's get back to the other side. I think this is a it's gonna jump here, I believe. We go to the other side and we get right into a pick and roll here. Look at look at the angle Porter takes on this. Where where is P Porter? Like what? I mean, he's just running around. Like here he is. He kind of goes for a little poke here, doesn't get it. He takes himself he, way out of the play. But then he takes himself, because here Kyle Anderson moves, smartly knows, okay, Michael Porter sees me. He thinks I'm over here. So when it comes out, he runs to where he was. Oh, now I'm now I'm off, and just walks into a little floater. Michael Porter's 100 times more skill, like talented and athletic than Kyle Anderson, but Kyle Anderson has him running in circles on both ends of the court just yeah. off of knowing what to do here. It's... It, it just is indicative. I mean, I'm, we're really picking on Michael Porter right now, and and it's tough. But this this is the type of stuff I'm seeing every single game where it's like, for all your talent, it, that talent is locked away, and you're getting beat by players significantly less talented. Yeah. Um, we talked about thinking about Bones and Michael Porter together. How about Bones and Monte? Look at this Jokic three-man game, I guess you could call it. The Monte-Bones duo here. So we run our little play, a little twist action. I love that Yoke. Again, if you want to talk about uh, Yoke. Oh, man, I just screwed up this video. Here you go. Yoke, if you want to know what he thinks. Yoke sets good screens. This one, he's like, nah. <laughs> no, let's get to this action. Let's go, to, <laughs> let's go straight to option two here. I'm going to rush screen Michael Porter's guy. Okay, yep, oh, that one's not open. All right, here we go. And now he gets into this right into the other way. This is Jokic ball supreme. Now right into the other way. What do we get here, Harrison? We get two guys oh, that can run pick and roll with Jokic and no wasted movement. If we watch this, uh, all right, get out of the play. Okay, pick and roll, attack. Swing back right into this next one. Swing back right into the next one. Attack, get into the paint right back, wide open. That's Look at that great little uh, little push in by Yoke on on Stephen Adams to just make sure Bones has the open three at the end too. But this is how you this is how you play. This is the ball is popping right. It's only three guys, but you're getting the ball popping. And also this Monte Morse wasn't open, but he did know even if you can't score here, put pressure and force Tyus Jones to stop you, and that opens yeah. up here. And then yes, as you mentioned, 
a little extra there and you get it. This is the thing that the Nuggets need. I mean, you get Monte and Barton on the court, they can do it. But you need Michael Porter to get to the point where he can make these type of reads. This offense should lend itself to volume scores and shooters. He should be both Bones and Monte in that, where you never know who's going to be the guy that ends up at the end, but you're constantly uh, uh, attacking, and he's just not there right now. Mm -hmm. um, last clip I have for you, and it's actually my last note. The end of this game, even though the game was kind of put away, although I guess it's not put away at this clip, just going at consistently going at Kyle Anderson. Just look at how comfortable he is attacking the Jokic Porter two uh, pick and roll. Just gonna walk right into a layup here, and it, it, there's another example here. Same thing. I think this is like a minute later, so it's maybe one or two possessions, and it's just hey, let's just run this pick and roll. Porter never gets over screens, gets my zone, score. It's just too easy. They're and look at Yoke knows the timeout's coming because it's like they're just gonna do this until we call a timeout and change things up. And it's like, all right, timeout. We can't keep giving up these simple plays. And again, Kyle Anderson's good. I love him. He's a great role player. But if Kyle Anderson is doing that, what is Chris Paul going to do? What is uh, uh, you know, any of your great pick and roll? What is LeBron James going to do? What are all these guys going to do in a playoff series if it's that easy for Kyle Anderson and Steven Adams? Yeah. Look, he's got to be better. And yeah, we are picking on him a lot. But look, like the expectations are on him this season. And I've got... I got the feeling leading up to this year in the preseason that he was welcoming those expectations and you know, now he's just got to embrace it. He's just got to be better. Yeah. Um, so that's it. It's a bit of a downer one, but guys, when you lose, you know, these notes are a downer. I still find, I don't know how you feel Harrison, but I love the game of basketball and I just love going into the weeds on it. And that's what these podcast episodes are. Of course, if you ever miss one of these, you can check them out on the dnbr.com. We do the video for DNBR members only, but it's also an audio podcast. And we try to explain in detail what's going on on these clips so that if you're listening to this in your car, you still get a general sense for what's going on and what, and what to kind of look for. Um, they're a downer because we're pointing out bad things, but the game of basketball is just so interesting as bones puts it. The game has so much to give and I love learning new parts of it and going through the weeds here. You're like, okay, some of the groundwork is laid. Can the bench unit get into the paint? And now we know what that looks like when they don't. You know, Michael Porter and Jokic, two-man game defensively. What does that look like? The Bones-Monte combos are even Bones-Barton or Monte-Barton. Like, okay, the, with Jokic, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for it to be able to bounce from one pick and roll to the other with different guys weaving back and forth until a defense breaks. And when you have talented players who can shoot and get into the paint, it, it, they break actually pretty quickly. Um, those are some of the things that I think are interesting that we kind of talked about today. Um, unfortunately, they come in a teaching moment because the Nuggets get the loss. Yeah. Do you want to add a couple more of these questions here before yeah, we let's uh, do get it. out? So we were kind of just talking about this, but Corey asked, do you feel that MPJ has the same license to do pick and rolls and DHOs? Um, or does Nicole Jokic and the team consider it more like Tory Craig? Yeah. You want to answer this one first? <laughs> well, I think it's a couple of things like, um, yeah, Porter is not the ball handler that Will Barton or Monte Morris are. Uh, I think everybody knows that. Nicole Jokic certainly knows that. Um, but also, like we talked about, I, I think it's about MPJ kind of taking the initiative and being like, all right, I'm going to go get the ball and I'm going to you know, be the guy in this action. It seemed like last night he just shied away from it at times. Yeah, I think it is both. I think the Nuggets are getting in more and more by the game into the Torrey Craig zone where like you'll see Yoke just be like, no. <laughs> like, I, I mean, yeah. that last play, honestly, Jokic sets better screens than that. That was like a not this option. I'm not setting the screen because I don't want him open for the flare screen. I want to get to this pick and roll. And look, Yoke was right. They opened up a wide open three that went in off of it. But I definitely think there is something to looking him off in there. But again, I don't think it's because they don't like him as a person. I think it's because they feel, as they did with Torrey Craig, that if we do run that option, it's going to get us a lower percentage shot than if we pass up on that option right now. Right, and that's and where he needs to get. Always, this, yeah. this is where he needs to improve. You know, a, a lot of NBA players, especially guys who consider themselves superstar prospects, as I'm sure Michael Porter rightfully does, they work on their one-on-one -on -one game because what are they thinking about? They're thinking about the ball in their hands. What they really need to work on is the two, especially anybody that comes to Jokic needs to be good at the two-man game, not the one-on-one -on -one game, the two-man game, and how do, you, how do you get open, which, by the way, is what so much of basketball is about. It's about the two- and three-man game. Like Basketball is basically a game of two or three people with two other players or three other players spacing the court. It's like constantly mm -hmm. that type of act. Very few five-man actions that last more than like 
10 seconds, you know, two seconds or something. So learning how to work with Jokic is probably the best at helping you in those ways is as important as working on your awesome crossovers or step backs or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Yosef asking about uh, Dos Verdes. The greens have looked bad together. Jamichael's a walking foul and has been pretty bad from three. Malone won't do this, but I wonder if Z could be a better pick and pop and on ball D guy. That's funny. Well, interesting. I don't even, I'm, honestly, I'm not going to laugh at it because here's what I will say Faku has turned into the guy that everybody is blaming for everything. He's the fall guy, and Faku's been bad, and he has a weakness that is more glaring, I think, because the ball is in his hands. But Jeff Green and Jermichael Green has been equally disastrous, in my opinion, for what Denver, for how limited Denver is um, when those two guys are on the court. So I think a lot of people say, like, I, the way I have phrased it in the past is, Faku, you need to give him a rim roller. They don't have that, so Faku looks bad. But the flip side of that is, what does Jeff Green and Jermichael Green bring you to the, bring to the table? They don't bring size defensively. They their focus and veteran, like they made rookie mistakes last night. Both of them did, mostly Jeff Green, but Jermichael Green had one of those outlet passes as well that was like a turnover that was so unforced. Um, so both of those guys have looked really bad and. Um, I, I think that Faku, while he has also been horrendous, is the scapegoat in that lineup when I think it actually probably needs more uh, a shakeup equally in the front court as it does the back court. Look, there's been seven games. I think you throw Zeke out there for a turn in the rotation, just see what happens. If you're looking for a guy who's going to play hard, and I think that's a valid criticism of Jeff Green so far this season – he did not Zeke's play hard. Gonna last game. Zeke's gonna bust his ass. Zeke's gonna play hard up and down every single possession. Um, now that might not always lead to like the smartest plays and, and the correct plays and, and the best offense and defense, and that might lead to some mistakes, but he's at least gonna play hard. So I don't see what the problem would be, you know, if you're gonna throw him out there, just give him a game. Give them two games. Yeah. It's been seven games. Jamichael Green and Jeff Green have been very bad with whatever combination they played with so far. Yeah, you know you're probably eventually most likely going to go back to those guys, but why not give Zeke a shot? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm honestly uh, I'm honestly pretty with it. Another thing to think about here, Harrison, Barton has looked bad now two games in a row. Those two games coincide with this new stagger lineup. He's playing more minutes with that second unit, and he's been bad in both games. Again, we know Barton has looked great out of the gate. It's going to be an adjustment period. He needs to figure it out because the team – there's only so many adjustments Malone can make. Even the Zeke one is like, do I think that's going to work? Probably not, but it is worth a shot because of how bad the other one is. But whatever. I mean, the, worth a shot, I guess. But um, Will Barton looking bad while his rotation, his personal minutes and rotation have changed is not lost on me. Those might be correlated. I – think you're probably onto something what uh what else we got anything else uh josh asking how much does mpj knocking down his shots change all of this mentally as much as anything if he just sees a couple shots go in does that up his engagement level does does that up other parts of his game i mean there's no question about it it's one of the is is the where's the chicken and the egg like do you, you know if he knocks down shots does everything else come easier probably but also like He's got to learn some of these things like where his shots are coming from and dealing with this other stuff. And uh, look, he's just every at the NBA level, you're just constantly under pressure as a player. You're just constantly under pressure. Even Jokic, like you're constantly being child. Think about over the years. This is really the first year where it feels like Jokic is above pressure. Like he's just so good. It, last yeah. year, I would say it was the year, but he was just so good that there was never any questioning. Can he can he not do this? Like we're just like, yeah, he can. He can do everything. Uh, Michael Porter's not that level. He's still at an early stage, but Jokic, his third year, there were still questions of, can you do this? Can you do this? Michael Porter's being challenged right now, and if he comes through it, he'll be a better player. But if he doesn't, you know, then Denver's going to be in a world of hurt, and this season's going to be a really frustrating one. I'm more, it's so early, and Michael Porter's so talented. My hope is that, and my expectation is that he's just going to have to get tougher from this experience. And if he does, you know, he will get through it and hopefully it becomes a faint memory by, you know, a, a week or two from now. Yeah. I've got to agree. And if you look at two of the most glaring issues with this team right now, the bench and three point shooting, I'm more concerned about the bench than the three point shooting. I think the three point shooting eventually comes around. Uh, I wrote this last night on the DNVR.com, just my observations from the game. And if Michael Porter jr. Was shooting, 
his average from three point range that he shot last season around 44%. If he was shooting that so far this year, the Nuggets would be tied with Boston for the 16th best three point shooting team in the league. So if just MPJ was shooting his like career average, Denver as a team would be an NBA average three point shooting team right now. So the quick fix there is just for him to get his shot back. And I think it will eventually come, but he's just got to get some confidence. I think that wraps it up for today. We appreciate all the people that were in here uh, for this one. We love doing these live, the video clips part of it, I think makes it really interesting and a lot of fun. But if you were listening to this as a podcast, we still try to make this for you. So if you have any notes or suggestions for us, we hope you're still enjoying these podcasts and the uh, analysis that we are providing. If you do enjoy the video portion of this and enjoy being a DNVR member, do us a favor, hit us up on social media so we can give you a retweet. Uh, we want more and more people to sign up and become members so that they can join part of these great breakdowns as well. Um, so give us the endorsement online and, and uh, we'll let everybody know. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow on the pregame show. I got, I already have the topics for tomorrow submitted. I'm very excited about them, Harrison. I think you're going to like them too. You'll see, uh, uh, I'll, I'll keep it as a tease for everybody for that. But the pregame show tomorrow is going to be absolute fire. Um, <laughs> we'll see everybody then. Guys, your Colorado rugby team has rebranded again. This one's here to stay. The American Raptors. The American Raptors. They play at Infinity Park. They are composed of crossover athletes that play tons of different sports and come from backgrounds in football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, and track and field. And the American Raptors have tournaments of rugby players. They're Rugby Town USA's newest rugby team. Like I said, composed of athletes who have competed at the highest levels of their respective sports. And now have turned to rugby. They play at Infinity Park right here. Denver, Colorado. American Raptors games are free. You do need a ticket, though, so head to AmericanRaptors.com. Check out their schedule. Grab a free ticket there. You can't make it to a game. AmericanRaptors.com will be streaming all of their games on that website as well. It's fun for the family. It's a fun weekend event. If you want tickets, AmericanRaptors.com. They play at Infinity Park right here in Denver.